Blow and the Doctor. Hey Who fans, this is the Big Blue Box Podcast, Episode 8, coming at you from somewhere in space and time. Hope you guys have had a good couple of weeks. Um, it's good to be back recording the podcast, giving you guys the news roundup on everything Who. So it's going to be a cool news roundup this week. We've got a very uh, interesting story to go through. Then we've got the normal TARDIS talk where I'm going to be talking about um, kind of a, a global uh, Doctor Who uh, kind of feel. And then in a retrospective, it's going to be a bit more of a, a new era episode as well. So without further ado, uh, let's crack on with the news. The news, wow. Uh, before we come on to the uh, big story, um, we have got a couple of uh, very cool things to go through. First up, um, as you may know, I mentioned on the last podcast and probably the one before that, that... Um, Titan Comics are going to be bringing out their new run of Doctor Who uh, comics, starting with the um, 10th Doctor. And um, both the 10th and the 11th Doctor comics um, will be available very soon, with the first one coming out on the 26th of July. And to kind of beef up the market a little bit, get the hype going, uh, Titan Comics have declared the 26th of July as Doctor Who Comics Day, which is quite cool, and there's going to be various events and signings and whatnot going on. Um, pretty much everywhere. Um, if you're in the UK like me and you're interested in going to uh, checking out some of these events, there's a couple going on. The first one is at Forbidden Planet in Bristol, which is on the 26th of July. Um, you'll be able to go and get your comic uh, or comics uh, signed by um, one of the writers and the artists, and that will be between 3 pm and 4 pm in Bristol. And then a little bit later on the 2nd of August in the uh, at the London Megastore, same time, 3pm to 4pm, uh, the same deal. You'll be able to go down, get your comics, and then go and get them signed, uh, which is very cool. Um, always like getting my stuff signed if possible. Adds a little bit more. Does it add a bit more value to it, I guess? Not sure. Um, but it's still cool nonetheless. So Titan, uh, Titan Comic, uh, Doctor Who Comics Day. 26th of July. I'm sure there's other stuff going on if you have a Google around and uh, see what's going on. But in the UK, those were the two uh, sort of main events I could find which link directly to the comics. Uh, next up, um, another new trailer for Series 8. Now, this is kind of an interesting one, this trailer, because um, it kind of struck two, two um, chords for me. Um, the first one is... Um, it's set within the TARDIS again, which I found kind of strange because um, everything that we've seen pretty much so far from Series 8, if not including all of the um, fan you know, photos from on set and all that kind of stuff, but official photos or anything that's been put out by the BBC, um, it always seems to be in the TARDIS at the moment. They're, they're very, very contained and tight-lipped about anything else to do with it. So it's another... Um, inside the TARDIS um, little shop um, and it's quite cool uh, it's got like um, this I don't know how well it's done in my opinion really it's uh, it looks okay I guess for a trailer it's kind of got this x-ray thing going on where we see um, inside the doctor's body and his two hearts and stuff which kind of ties in with the uh, the interesting um, voiceover which was which is my second point um, which is clearly and I hope I'm not getting this completely wrong, otherwise I'm going to look very daft, um, is clearly Davros. Um, and the, the audio is a bit kind of intertwined with, I think, from what I can hear anyway, it's very much intertwined with some some classic Dalek uh, tones in there. But um, yeah, new trailer, check it out. I see into your soul, Doctor. I see beauty, divinity, hatred. Yeah, new trailer. It's only short, like 20 seconds, uh, but it does give another insight into what we can expect from Series 8, which is clearly uh, the Daleks, or at least Davros. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that we're not going to go an entire series of Doctor Who without the Daleks being brought into it um, from from somewhere, 
in some story plot or whatever. Um, but Davros is cool. I really like Davros. Um, all of the, um, uh, well, the few classic um, episodes that I've seen which featured Davros are normally pretty good. And yes, even Remembrance of the Daleks with Davros was pretty good. So, um, yeah, like Davros, looking forward to seeing him. Looking forward to seeing him and Capaldi trade blows, however that might be. Not sure how well that will go down with Capaldi beating up on a disabled guy, but, you know, he's a doctor, does what he likes. Cool. Uh, third news story. This is a biggie. Anyone that's into Doctor Who would have heard about this. Um, I think it started... Um, I'm recording this podcast on Wednesday the 9th of July and I think this kicked off on Monday, Sunday night or Monday um, and someone has been very, very naughty at BBC America or BBC Worldwide, whichever it is um, and the th somehow the complete uh, script for the first five episodes of Series 8 are now out there on the net, freely available well, mostly freely available if you know where to look um, so yeah, scripts of leaked, big, big boo-boo by somebody. Um, and this, is, this throws up, this always when anything like this happens, it always throws up a really interesting um, uh, topic, which is, you know, should we, should we engage in spoilers as fans? And I remember when, I think it was BBC America, dispatched all of their um, Doctor Who DVDs and Blu-rays um, a few weeks early. And Stephen Moffat, uh, went publicly to say, uh, you know, apologise for the for the goof and everything, but you know, can I just plead to the fans to not spoil anything? And you know, to their credit, all of those um, our fellow Who fans over in the US, you guys um, did in fact uh, keep stum and tight lipped about it, which is very cool. Um, so I'm wondering um, if the same thing is going to happen. It's been a few days now since the leak, and I personally haven't seen too much. Um, leakage uh, over the net it's been um, fairly contained from what I've seen uh, I have had a couple of people offer to send me a link to see these uh, scripts and I can I can wholeheartedly say hand on heart I have declined um, and that's not because I'm not interested I am mega super interested and it took a lot of willpower for me to um for me to type back no thank you you're okay um but I know uh, I do follow, obviously, a lot of people on Twitter, a lot of Doctor Who fans on Twitter and Facebook. And I know of a lot of Who fans that have indulged and have gone in there, just dived into the spoiler uh, pool headfirst. And they don't seem to be bothered about it. But, um, yeah, all I've seen really is like little snippets. Um, like a couple of people have put like, oh, I'm not looking forward to the climax in episode four. This doesn't sound or read very good. Which is okay. I can I can deal with that um, because chances are when we get round to um, the series starting next month, yay! We can say how cool is that? By the way, we can now say that Doctor Who is coming back next month. We're now in July. It's going to kick off at the end of August, but we can now officially say yay next month. Anyway, um, so when it rolls round to the end of August, and I'm I'm really focused on watching the episodes. I'm sure I'm not going to remember too much of these little. These little tempting nuggets of uh, of spoiler spoilers and uh, yeah, so it's been very cool so far. Like I said, there hasn't been any one or group of Doctor Who fans that have just gone crazy and spoiled everything over the net, which is very cool. Um, if you're if you are one of those uh, Doctor Who fans that have checked out the scripts and you are you're not really afraid of spoilers, um, please let me know what you think about it so far without obviously spoiling it for me. <laughs> that's kind of a key um a key factor in this is that i don't want to be spoiled thank you um which is kind of weird kind of strange because as somebody that dishes out news to you guys and and talks about doctor who and you know wants to be in the know about all this kind of stuff at the same time i'm also a fan obviously so and because doctor who series eight is going to be very um, very different, I feel, to what we've seen before, and it's uh, it's breaking new ground potentially. I really don't want to go into it knowing what's going to happen. I want to be, I want to be as a, a true fan and experience it fresh and stuff. So, um, so yeah, very big fun, thumbs up to all of you guys who have seen it and not spoilt it. That's very cool. Um, but yeah, do let me know what your thoughts are on it, but keep them spoiler free. So just jump on Twitter, tweet me. Uh, it's at Big Blue Box Pcast. Um, and yeah, just let me know what your thoughts are. That'd be cool. 
So that is the news. Um, now we're going to uh, kick off the uh, TARDIS talk. TARDIS talk this episode. I'm going to keep this kind of... Um, I don't know how to say this really. I'm going to try and keep this without sounding like a rant. Um, without sounding like a rant and without sounding unappreciative, I guess. And what I want to talk about is kind of a generic big top line subject, but is Doctor Who getting too big? There you go. Uh, it's been on my mind for a, for a couple of weeks now. And while I was researching to do this podcast and I was looking about for like clips of audio clips for stuff that I'm going to be talking about later. Um, it, you kind of fall into that YouTube trap sometimes, and I'm, I'm I'm pretty I'm guessing that pretty much everyone has done this. Where you go you go onto YouTube, you start searching for a video, and then in the recommendations list, you jump onto another video, and then another and another, and before you know it, two possibly three hours, sometimes more of your life has been wasted just falling into the YouTube trap. And I did that. Uh, earlier today while I was um, putting clips together for for this podcast and I stumbled onto a few clips where it was fans at conventions saying what they feel is great about Doctor Who why they feel it's it's so popular and why it works so well and that got me thinking you know of all the stuff that's been going on recently Doctor Who really has gone global you know I'm not saying that like oh my god I've just realized I'm you know I'm aware that it's been very big globally for a long time but I think in the last certainly for the last couple of series that Matt Smith was in the role it really did jump up a whole nother notch I feel anyway and it really did go not crazy but the whole world especially America and Australia and stuff they love absolutely love the show which is no which is not a bad thing at all let me just caveat this whole this whole segment by saying that Doctor I don't think Doctor Who could be um too big in terms of more viewers i think the more people that watch doctor who and the more people that appreciate it um and and show their love for it is is never a, a bad thing so you know like i said at the beginning i don't want to sound unappreciative or like this is a bad thing it really isn't uh, but the overall question is you know is doctor who getting too big it's more like um is is it starting to feel like the show is slipping away from us a little bit because i've heard previous podcasts um, and previous uh, articles and stuff where overseas Doctor Who fans, especially you guys over in the US and stuff, um, you know, how, how much you've, you've liked the, in recent years, how, how easily accessible Doctor Who is for you guys now. And even to the point where you're getting, you're, you're getting Blu-ray releases before we do, if at all. And if we think about the um, the the docudrama from the fiftieth, and adventure in space and time. W there's no plans for us to get that on Blu-ray at the moment, whereas you guys in the US have got that. So, um, it's kind of this thing where Doctor Who has always been quintessentially British. You know, it's it's like an institution for us here in the UK. Um, it, it, it's one of those shows where even back during the seventies and eighties. And certainly since it came back in 2005, it's all been done here in Wales in the UK. So all of the writing, the production, you know, most of the, I, mean, I know they go away, you know, overseas now and then to do a couple of on location stuff. But primarily it's all done in Cardiff in Wales. So the writing team is here, the production team, um, and they even, they even, a lot of the supporting cast is also from around this area. So it's very, very, and I, and I hate talking like this because it should be a, it should be globally celebrated and it should be shared amongst all fans across the world. But there is something very British about it, and you can't, you know, and, and I say that with love because you can't escape that. It's very, very British to a, to a, to a large extent. And when you see things like the 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 Blu-rays being released globally without being here, you've got global simulcasts. You've now got premieres in cinemas. You've got international press tours. Um, Peter Capaldi, Jenna Coleman have gone. I think they've gone on like a worldwide tour to promote the show, which seems like 
for for a show that is now as big as Doctor Who and as successfully, you know, successfully large and huge as Doctor Who, seems like the BBC are wasting tiny bit of money there by sending everybody around the world to promote it where it doesn't does it need it? I'm not sure. That's another question. Um, and then you've got like the live reveal show uh, when they announced Doct- uh, Peter Capaldi as the Doctor, and now you've got Doctor Who stuff being leaked. And this is all outside of, of the UK and Cardiff and stuff. So, you know, I and, and I do understand why the show is so popular overseas. You know, a lot of fans deserve to, uh, to, um, to enjoy it and stuff. And, you know, it, it's very, very popular. Very, very popular. Because Doctor Who, it's huge uh, in America now. It's growing, yes, quite excitingly. It's, it, it's um, yeah, it, it, you know, there was this thing with the iTunes, which has been really positive, that it's the most downloaded show in America. It beat, like, Glee and Mad Men and... Really? It was and number Doctor? one. Really? Yeah, yeah. But it, there is... Know, you're, you're like, whoa! <laughs> I think it's just the concept that, you know, it's, you could, the universe can be explored. You know, at any time, in any place, just to having that freedom to go ahead and explore and be anything, anywhere. I think the fact that the show can reinvent itself is what has made it popular because it can change to suit every new generation that comes to discover it. The actors can change, the whole format can change, the that's style can change. That's the best explanation I've heard in yeah. these years. I think that's the secret to its longevity is the fact that it can adapt to pretty much any new generation that wants to take it over and make it their own thing. I'm with Barbara and Adrian who've been up since very early this morning to come and watch this 50th anniversary uh, episode. Barbara, what did you think? Uh, it was absolutely incredible. It, it way exceeded my expectations. I'm so glad I got up early and didn't miss this. What about you, Adrian? I loved it. It was absolutely fantastic. 10 out of 10. Yeah, really good. So a lot of guys there from mainly the US and Australia. Really, really into it. And you can tell, you know, how far and how much of a reach the show has got, um, especially over the last three or four years, I would say. It's really gone crazy. And when I was at the Doctor Who proms last year for the 50th anniversary, it was crazy. It was absolutely nuts because... Before the proms even kicked off, we had the debacle with the ticket booking system where, I mean, the proms itself is a very, very popular classical, uh, you know, series of concerts every year. And just by themselves, if you don't include the Doctor Who part of it, you know, it's very, very popular, really good uh, ticket sales. They, you know, the, the, the ticking booking system is very, can be very difficult and testing anyway. And then when you throw Doctor Who on there, it just broke everything. There were people, I mean, when I was queuing up to book tickets on that, um, I took the morning off work to do it because I knew it would be busy. But bloody hell, I mean, I was, I, was, I was waiting online for approximately two and a half hours. And I think I joined the queue at number 8,300 and, no, 5,300 and something, I remember. And it felt like forever watching that number count down until I finally was able to book a couple of tickets. And I remember when I got my two tickets... Literally within minutes, um, there was a, a, a notice that went out from the Royal Albert Hall to say that the, it was now sold out. So it was crazy. And that's down to Doctor Who. That is, that is how big the show has become, where it, it just it immediately just takes over an event like the proms and just makes it its own, really. So, and, that, that, and it all this kind of, when I was looking at these videos and stuff, it also kind of linked back to this, this uh, script leak. Um, which happened from, which I believe, where BBC Worldwide was somehow, I don't know if it was um, sent it to somebody at an incorrect department or CC'd somebody, in, I'm not sure, but they were sending it down to one of the BBC offices in Miami so that they could do some translation because it's going to go out in a few more languages and stuff. But I'm just thinking to myself, has it become that big where... It's kind of scary to think that it would be vulnerable outside of keeping it contained within Cardiff and the UK. Because when Doctor Who first came back in 2005, yes, there was leaks. You know, yes, there was the odd fluff here and there. But not to the extent of this. This is quite a big one, quite a biggie. Because it's a brand new series. It's very, very much anticipated and very, very big news right now. But when it came back in 2005 and everything was based... Everything was based here in Cardiff. There was none of this BBC America involvement. Not this heavily, anyway. You know, does it, you know, has Doctor Who become that big that things like this happen? And uh, it's, a, it's an interesting one because 
I was speaking to uh, my wife about this recently because she's now, I wouldn't say she's a full-on uh, Doctor Who fan, but she, she very, very much is, I wouldn't say she's on her way, but she, she, she appreciates the show and she, um, she, she likes it a lot more than what she did before, before I knew her. Um, you know, and she's, you know, we often, you know, don't, don't talk about the show directly, but we talk about stuff like the proms and, and that kind of thing. And she's always really, really surprised when she sees things like the, after the proms, I think, uh, the, there was a concert in Sydney, Australia, which was part of a tour, I think, about, uh, the music of Doctor Who. And she was like, wow, it's, it's going to Australia. And then when she sees things like panels at comic-con in san diego where you've got all the i think a few years ago it's like david tennant russell t davis john barrowman um, and some other people julie gardner at comic-con in san diego she's like wow that's like that that's just like a little a little british tv show what are they doing at comic-con so when you when i hear opinions like that and i hear thoughts like that i think wow you know is this is this something that's elevated beyond our fandom within the uk is it something that is you know, now too big for us to grasp because there's so much going on. And I do feel, in a, I just want to close this segment off now and say I do feel in a very small way that the show is kind of slipping away and becoming out of our reach in terms of being a, a British, a, a typical, you know, core British program because there is so much happening with it globally and stuff. And, you know, will the show suffer as a result of that? You know, will it become, will the expectation become so high that they feel that they have to raise the bar in certain aspects and bring it away from what makes it, you know, because I think some of the appeal, because when I've spoken to Doctor Who fans who do live in America and um, and a couple of friends that I know in Australia, one of the things that they do actually like about the show is its Britishness. You know, that that's part of the appeal. And, you know, as the... the production team and the writers and stuff I really hope you know Stephen Moffat and whoever you know takes his job as the the showrunner eventually I really hope that they keep that that they keep the show close to their chest in terms of keeping it very British and stuff like that because Doctor Who could never be too big in terms of fan appreciation it could never be too big in terms of global audience or anything like that the show is too good to to deny people that however is it too big from a production point of view where will it start losing its Britishness and stuff like that? Um, so really interested to hear your thoughts on this one. Please um, jump on Facebook if you want to write a bit more than 140 characters. Facebook.com forward slash Big Blue Box Podcast. Um, I would really be interested to hear what you think about how Doctor Who has grown in the past however many years since Matt Smith took over or David Tennant, whatever. Um and do you feel that it's becoming, you know, a global phenomenon which is taking away its kind of, its uh, quote-unquote small British small British show? You know, really interested to hear your thoughts on that. And that will wrap up TARDIS Talk. Hey, retrospective time. So on this one, um, on the last podcast, I did say that um, I wanted to take a step back from doing all of the classic um, Doctor Who stories and stuff, which I'm, I'm not stopping that completely. That is still going to go ahead, but I thought that I would just change it up a bit uh, for the next few podcasts and talk about some, some more of the current uh, Doctor Who because I feel that they are relevant. And this one, uh, this retrospective is going to be... Uh, the End of Time, Part 1 and 2, David Tennant, which always, for me, it's one of those those stories that always divides opinion amongst fans. And to be honest with you, I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about this one up until a few days ago. And I was listening to uh, another Doctor Who podcast, which is the Doctor Who podcast, funnily enough. Um, and they did like a, re- they're going through like um, a series talking about each regeneration story. And it happened to be uh, David Tennant's The End of Time on this one. And I wanted to talk about this on this podcast because I felt like it was very, 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 very negative on that particular podcast. And 
don't get me wrong, I completely understand um, their reasons for saying, you know, why they thought it wasn't the greatest Doctor Who story and especially the regeneration part of it. And I'll be honest, you know, it's it's not one of the best David Tennant stories. Certainly, um, if you look at the, the, the three uh, series that he did plus the specials, you know, out of all of those, there are certainly much, much better uh, uh, stories that he was part of. Um, however, the end of time, yeah, it's kind of a strange one. Ah, now, sorry, there you are. So, where were we? I was summoned, wasn't I? An ood in the snow calling to me. Well, I didn't exactly come straight here. I had a bit of fun, you know, travelled about, did this and that. Got into trouble, you know me. It was brilliant. I saw the phosphorus carousel of the great Miguel and Gestat. Saved a planet from the red carnivorous moor. Named Galaxy Allison. Got married. That was a mistake. Good Queen Bess. And let me tell you, her nickname is no longer... <clears throat> anyway. What do you want? You should not have delayed. Last time I was here, you said my song would be ending soon. And I'm in no hurry for that. You will come with me. Hold on. Better lock the TARDIS. <sighs> okay, like a car. I lo locked it like a car. Like, it's funny. No? A little bit. Blimey. I'm trying to make an ood laugh. Blimey, trying to make an ood laugh. So when I saw the opening to that, for the first time anyway, I thought, yeah, this is going to set the tone for the series, uh, for this story, sorry. And yes, we knew that it was David Tennant's last last trip as the Doctor. However, uh, it was it turned out to be really, really, I think you'll all agree, The End of Time, Part 1 and 2, is a very emotional story. And yeah, the reason why I say it's a strange one is because it does... It does divide a lot of people. I know a lot of Who fans that absolutely detest this story. They hate everything about it. And then I also know a lot of Doctor Who fans that quite like it, that don't mind it, and they feel it's a fitting send-off for David Tennant and so on. I just want to give you my thoughts on this because, um, yeah, when I was listening to this other podcast, um, in a nutshell, they didn't have, they didn't really have a single good word to say about any of this story, whether it be David Tennant as the Doctor, his regeneration, anything like that. There wasn't one good word to say about it. And I, I, I jumped on Twitter and, and tweeted them and say, uh, and said, uh, just listen to your podcast, um, The End of Time. Is it really that bad? You know, and I haven't had a reply yet. I'm not sure if I will or not. But, um, you know, is it is it that bad? Is it that bad of a Doctor Who story in general? You know, let's let's not talk about David Tennant and his exit and his regeneration for a moment, but just as a story, is it that bad? Mm, I don't think it's that bad. I really don't. I watched it again um, after I listened to this podcast uh, a few days ago. I did watch it again, both parts. And it's one of those stories where it it does get better on multiple viewings. Put it that way. Because when you the very first time you watch it, it's not it's not the most straightforward of stories. It can get a little bit confusing at times because um, there are some things in there that you don't really see often in Doctor Who, like is there... Because Doctor Who is always, for me anyway, it's best when it's grounded in semi-serious science fiction. But when they start to introduce magical type... Not really magic, but you know, almost magical type stuff in these, in stories, um, it does get a little bit far out, if you know what I mean. And I was thinking about this when I was watching it, and it does get better on repeat viewings. I said multiple viewings, I should have said repeat. Because this must have been the, mm, the fourth time that I've seen it now, third or fourth, fourth time. And it does get better with, 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 repeat, with repeat viewings. And one of the things that I... I was that I quite like about this because um, like I said I'm not just going to beat the whole thing up and say it's terrible and stuff like that because personally I honestly don't feel that it is that bad I think there are 
personally, I think there are a lot worse. Um, I think there are a lot worse Doctor Who stories out there. Um, and, you know, the end of time, it's quite bold as well. It's quite, you know, it's quite ambitious in its story. Um, there's there's quite a lot going on. You've got storylines with the Master, the Doctor, um, uh, Donna. You've also got uh, the Time Lords, you know, potentially coming back. So there's quite a lot going on. Um, but one of the things that, I mean, yeah, let me just tell you what I, what I don't really like about it first. That's easy to get that bit, those bits out of the way. One of the things that I don't particularly like is, and they did bring this up in the Doctor Who podcast when they were talking about it, is the idea that the Doctor is going to die. Because for me, the Doctor is very much about, you know, the Doctor doesn't die. You know, it's that that's the whole point of of regeneration it's not you know you're not bringing somebody back from the dead you know they're regenerating into somebody else and and this script and this story does you know it plays very much on that concept that the doctor feels like he's going to die and you know uh, there is a scene um where the doctor is sitting down with wilf in a cafe and it's very you know quite a deep conversation and stuff and the doctor is saying you know i feel like you know this my my time's up and you know he's, he's I'm, I'm not sure what the word to describe him is he's very uh very quite militant about it where he's like yeah <sighs> my time's almost up and then i'm gonna die and then some other guy's gonna be taking my place you know he's, he's very much uh he's he's very much playing the you know the, the sympathy card in, in in this section even if I change, it feels like dying. Everything I am dies. Some new man goes sauntering away. And I'm dead. Yeah. So, not the most uplifting. Um... <laughs> Not the most cheerful, uplifting uh, moments. And to be fair, the both parts of the end of time are very, like I said at the beginning, they're really emotional, and it's quite. It, it does pull. It does pull at the old heartstrings at various moments throughout throughout uh, the entire story. Um, so I'm not really a. I'm not really a fan of this concept that, you know, the doctor the doctor dies. You know, it's not about death. Really, isn't about him as a as an individual person dying. And then, you know, some concepts of, you know, necromancy, like bringing back the dead, you know, so somebody else can take it. You know, it really doesn't feel right that Doctor Who should should be saying it that way and should be portraying it as, as death because it really, really isn't, in my opinion anyway. So I'm not really a fan of that that whole kind of, you know, I'm going to die, you know, and somebody else is going to take my place. wasn't really a fan of that. I wasn't really a fan of... Uh, the master in this, um, you, you know that a lot, a lot of people feel that it's just completely bonkers and wacky that the master would take over every person on the entire planet. I, I don't really have too much of a problem with that story because you know it is that nuts, you know, and the the way that the master is played in this particular story and the way that you know he he is at this point is completely bonkers and nuts. So it fits with his, you know, his master plan to make the master race, funny enough. Um, so it does fit with that, with his his mental kind of state at that time. You know, it's a completely over-the-top, bonkers plan. But if you think about it, that's just how the master is, completely bonkers and over-the-top. Um, the, the problem, that, well, not a problem, but the thing that I... I wasn't really a fan of was the way that John Sims played the master in this episode. It was a bit too, uh, a bit too over the top um, in a lot of places and a bit kind of, um, you know, a bit full on all of the time. I much prefer the, the karma more, um, more sinister uh, feel to the master possibly from the classic years i feel that when he's completely over the top and bonkers all the time 
um, by the end of the story, you're just kind of mentally exhausted by watching him um, all the time being that way. And you kind of just, you want nothing more than the doctor just to give him a backhander and uh, and just shut him up for a while. But it doesn't really happen. He's still banging on right up until, you know, near the end of the story. He's still going on and on and on. So I wasn't really, I mean, I'm not, John Sims, you know, he's a really good actor. And I I don't really mind how he's played the, the master in uh, the previous times that he's that he's been in the show. But this one, I think he just took it up a notch and he was just, he just went mental for the whole time. So that was a bit draining watching that. Although, like I said, not terrible, just a bit over the top. And thirdly, the other problem I have is it it's kind of it kind of echoes, I guess, the 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 Doctor Who podcast that I listened to, where those guys were saying that by the end of it, they just wanted David Tennant to go. It was like, you know, you you're dragging this out for so long. And the regeneration is being built up and up and up. And, you know, we just want you to go. You know, we know you're going, you know, just just get on with it. And as, as much as I love David Tennant as the Doctor, I do echo those thoughts, I must admit. Because up until that point, most, if not all, regeneration scenes had been very short and sweet. You know, there was none of this exploding, exploding TARDIS. There was none of this, you know, self-indulgent, I need to go off and... And, and and get my reward as he puts it and all that kind of stuff it was just a you know a very very short scene at the end of an episode really um if i think back to all of the classic years and even the um the uh chris eccleston uh, regeneration was very much a at, at the end of an episode you know five or six minutes and that was it he was regenerated so it was the first time that we'd seen a very drawn out and long process for the Doctor leading up to his regeneration. And when I very first watched this, I was an emotional wreck. I'm going to be totally honest with you now because, you know, I, v- I very much consider David Tent to be, in the new era, to be uh, my Doctor, if you like. Um, and I still need to come on to why that is in a future podcast. But, you know, I very much consider David Tennant from the newer stuff to be my my Doctor. So when I very, very first watched this one, I was emotionally just wrecked afterwards um, because the build-up it, it really did play into the hands of your emotions you know seeing the doctor go off and seeing his companions um, and that kind of stuff it was it was hard to watch at the time if you were if you were a hardcore doctor who tenant fan it was hard to watch um, but on repeat viewings that process has now kind of taken a different approach for me as i watch it um, uh, I still don't mind it, don't get me wrong, and I still get fairly emotional watching it, um, which I'm not ashamed of, um, but it doesn't quite have the same feeling for me because I do feel like that that whole portion of the end of the end of time could have been used up, you know, possibly um, giving us a, a bigger part of the story. They could have, um, I don't know, filled that, some of that section with some more meaningful story and some other stuff but yeah so that's like the that's like the other thing that I'm not too too uh, uh fond of um in this story I don't, like I don't mind it too much but uh, after I've watched it a few times now it's uh it has changed my opinion on that on that side of things slightly um moving on to what I do like about it uh, as much as it is emotional and as much as uh David Tennant is quite um, down in the dumps and negative in his story I do think the way he's played this story is very good if you take away if you take away the, your thoughts about his regeneration and how you feel how grumpy he is and you know his you know you have to remember that's more down to Russell T Davis than than David Tennant you know Russell T Davis wrote that script to be very you know very much a goodbye story and bringing his his side of things, you know, his his era in Doctor Who. It's very much about him bringing all of that stuff full circle, and it and and, and providing a very emotional goodbye to everybody. So you can't really, you know, you can't really fire some blame at David Tennant for that. All he's doing is, you know, acting and doing the best with the script that he's been given. So that a lot of that is down to Russell T Davis, um, but the way that the that David Tennant plays that emotional part of his Doctor and that. 
foreboding and that you know expectation that he knows he's going to pass on not going to die but to pass on to somebody else um he's is very very well you know there's there's a way that david tennant plays that kind of emotional on the on the verge of tears you know very you know very uh, very deep especially that conversation he has with with wilf in the cafe um it's uh, it's very very well done and his and his the way that he talks to you know various people like especially at the end when he's going off to get his reward when he's talking to um to Wilf and Donna's mum and then the other the other people it's uh the way he does it is very very good and i, I like him throughout this entire this this story and you know from just from a pure fandom point of view it does it does round off his era of Doctor Who, you know, quite nicely. You know, it bundles it up into a nice little parcel. There you go. That's the RTD and the David Tennant era, you know, almost almost contained in a way. And um, may, maybe that was detriment to the, to the Matt Smith era because uh, one of the problems that I had overall with how Stephen Moffat wrote Doctor Who for when Matt Smith uh, was the Doctor... Um, for all of the Eleventh Doctor stuff, is you know very very little in the way of looking back on Doctor Who, and and I don't mean the classic years because there were a few episodes where they did uh, did mention the the classic Doctors, um, and even in the the Eleventh Hour Matt Smith first uh, episode, you know there's that that section where. Um, you see like a projection of all the previous Doctors, and then he walks through them. Um, but Stephen Moffat never ever mentioned, um, and I could be wrong, so please let me know if I am wrong. But he never mentioned, or hardly ever mentioned, anything to do with the Russell T Davis era. Never referenced it, um, or referenced it very little. And like I say, please do let me know if I'm completely wrong on that, and I've missed something cool. But um, I don't remember there being any big references to um, nine or ten. Not that I know of, anyway. Um, and the only thing that we've got from that era is River Song. Um, but even she doesn't mention anything about, not specifically, uh, David, Tennant doc- David Tennant's doctor or Chris Eccleston's doctor. She does. She mentions him being younger and, you know, the kind of things that she did, you know, before that point. But she doesn't reference those doctors at all. And Stephen Moffat doesn't either. So maybe the way that Russell T Davis wrote that era up and contained it and signed it off, if you like, Maybe that was detriment to uh, to the to Doctor Who going forward on from that because I would have loved for um, for Matt Smith to have referenced those Doctors, you know, in his era. And I'm not really talking about the 50th anniversary, the day of the Doctor, where David Tennant came back and all that stuff, you know. So Stephen Moffat does kind of redeem himself with that, but you've still got those entire complete series where um, nothing's mentioned. But anyway, back to um, the end of time. So I really like David Tennant and his acting in this. It's very, very good, if somewhat uh, down in the dumps and a bit grumpy. Uh, Wilf, Bernard Cribbins, absolutely love him. He's, I, I love the episodes where he's in Doctor Who. Really, really good. And he's, as usual, he's just fantastic in this. Really, really like him. Um, I kind of like the idea of the Time Lords potentially coming back i'm not really not really too hot on their on their kind of the way that that was executed uh, you know it was a bit kind of mystical magical kind of thing how they came back it was a bit far-fetched even for doctor who um but i like the concept uh, the concept of the time lords you know potentially coming back and and uh, because we've always uh, well f- for the most part we've always known that the time lords were a great race of people and you know all that kind of stuff but you know to see them come back with you know different intentions than than we come in peace is uh was was a good concept um but just potentially poorly executed and uh yeah so i mean overall i don't i honestly don't think it's the worst david tennant story i honestly don't think it's that bad i think there are some problems with it certainly and i think there are some uh some issues but for me that is down to the writing and that is down to um russell t davies which is no bad thing you know i can see why i can see why he would want to write 
that series out and his in his era out and that sort of thing i can see why you know I, that's the thing with this with this story in these two episodes you can you can absolutely see why it was done the way it was i think a lot of people that don't like it are just maybe you know it it's just something that they're not used to because like i said all of the previous doctor's regenerations and everything have always been quite low key and quite quick and no faff and you know just get on with it and uh yeah and the story overall um i quite like it you know if i'm going to go and if i'm in the mood to watch something from the tenant era um it's not one of the first things that i reach for when i want to watch something certainly not there are some really some of the best in my opinion in the newer doctor who there are three or four um, episodes from the Tenant era, which in my opinion are some of the best from newer Doctor Who. So this one, The End of Time, I don't typically reach for it straight away. Um, but, you know, I have, like I said, I've seen it three or four times now and uh, on repeat viewings, it does get it does get easier and it does it, it is a bit more enjoyable once you've got past your initial kind of, you know, what's kind of happening here, what's going on, I don't understand because there are some there are some questions raised within within the the story and they don't really get explored that that often or that well at all throughout the thing like with the the time lords who are standing like the weeping angels that's not really taken forward anymore um especially not in anything that moffat has has written um the whole thing about the crystal you know being thrown by by Rassilon and then found by the master that's a bit you know we've not really seen that stuff in Doctor Who before it's not really explained very well and there's like some other bits and pieces which aren't which aren't too um, straightforward to you especially on the first time you watch it but yeah um, and the ending is very emotional you know it's and like I said I, I can see why it was done that way because so many people loved and still do love David Tennant as the Doctor. It was very, I think Russell T. Davis saw it as a, as saying goodbye to us, you know, as well as his companions and stuff. So, um, yeah, the end of time. Not not the best um, Doctor Who story, but absolutely, um, absolutely not uh, not the worst. And you know, this this probably the most touching moment for me wasn't the the conversation with Wilf. Wilfred in the cafe. It wasn't um, uh, his conversation with the master. It wasn't anything like that. Uh, the only the only emotional bit for me was this little snippet before his generation where he's uh, where he talks to Rose. You all right, mate? Yeah. Too much to drink. Something like that. Baby's time he went home. Yeah. Anyway, happy new year. And you. What year is this? Blimey, how much have you had? 2005, January the 1st. 2005. Tell you what. I bet you're going to have a really great year. Yeah? So I really like that um, that little that little conversation there. I'm not too fussed on um, the other uh, companions that he goes off to see. It's a bit uh, a bit kind of you know expected, um, you know. But that conversation with Rose, because <clears throat> while I'm not a fan of Russell T Davis writing that whole era and containing it almost, um, I do feel it is fitting for uh, Rose to have that little that nice little conversation seeing as it started with Rose so as well as the you know the doctor regenerating and stuff like that um you know and you know you could argue that it's a bit this this story is very self-indulgent don't get me wrong I do do acknowledge that I do realize that um but if there was one of those if say if that whole stuff had been filmed and Russell T Davis was like look you know looking back on this this is a bit kind of internal and a little bit uh, self-indulgent you know we need to chop some of this you know going and visiting companions and getting his reward 
you know, I think they, you know, they should have, you know, they should have kept that bit. You know, this is like in theory, but, you know, I would have thought that they would have kept that little conversation with Rose because although it's not, although the, the comeback in 2005 didn't start with David Tennant, it started with Rose. So it is quite fitting that they, they round it out with her being the last person that he actually talks to before he regenerates. And, um, yeah, so the end of time. I'm rambling now, aren't I? I've said that quite a few times, as if I'm going to close this section. I really am now. The end of time, it's not the greatest, but it certainly isn't the worst. Um, and, uh, yeah, that is going to wrap um, for episode eight. So that is a wrap and we are done for episode 8. Thank you very, very much for joining me once again. Could you please, uh, if you enjoy this podcast, would you uh, do me a favour and just pop over to uh, to iTunes and leave a review? It really, really helps um, with, uh, uh, with uh, subscribers and, and that kind of stuff. So if you don't subscribe to this show as yet, you can do. Just jump over to iTunes and do a search for Big Blue Box Podcast. And you will see it in there if you could give that a subscribe. And then once you've listened to this or an, another couple, if you do like it, can you please pop a review on there? Because that really helps me and I will... I will be your your bestie, your Doctor Who bestie forever. Thank you very much. Um, if you want to contact me, you can do so on Twitter. It's uh, at BigBlueBoxPCast. Or you can jump over to Facebook and have a conversation with me. It's facebook.com forward slash BigBlueBoxPodcast. It's been very, very cool talking uh, through these things with Doctor Who. Um, I hope you've enjoyed, and I will be back um, for episode nine. Uh, but until then, Elonzi! Uh,